Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm excited to announce another lovely guest. This is Stella. Stella, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? My story, I don't even know where to start. I suffer from a chronic illness, one or two or maybe 10, like the rest of us. As a lot of people know, some people live with a chronic illness that goes undiagnosed um, or can be undiagnosed for a number of years. And um, when something that, like that happens, uh, an example could be lupus, um, I think. And I think Lyme disease too is one that kind of sneaks up on people. Um, it's not, or fibromyalgia is another one. They're not, they're more, they're more looked for now than what they were in the past. Um, in my case, um, going back to being a child, and any parents that are listening will remember the days of the terrible twos, threes, and then the teenager that didn't want to listen. Um, well, in my case, um, I not only was a teenager that didn't want to listen, but I was a very uh, darkened soul that was, um, what do you say, almost demonic, but not. Um, I was what we call back then, I think it was goth or, and heavy metal was the, the thing. And, and um, I've been creative from the time I was little, um, always expressed myself through arts. And of course, music was something that I never, I never sang or anything like that, but I always listened to my music. And as I get older and darker, the d- music got darker and, you know, the parents got concerned. And um, when things started affecting me with my schoolwork, my attendance in high school, um, my day-to-day activities, my lack of, you know, hanging out with friends, a little bit, you know, started smoking at a very young age. Um, My parents grew more concerned um, with, you know, what was going on with me and what were they supposed to do. My father worked nights. Um, My mother's a lot smaller than what I am. And um, it came down to a point of where she was actually afraid of me because I became a very, I was a very aggressive individual. Um, That being said, um, they decided that I needed to see counseling. And essentially, I think what happened is that, um, I guess I should have mentioned it in the beginning, uh, I'm an adopted child. So my medical background is not readily available as what most people's is or the family background. Uh, And the paperwork that I did receive, uh, my biological father had been diagnosed years and years ago with what they call uh, manic manic depressant, manic depressant, I think they call it. Um, This day and age is what we classify as uh, bipolar. I guess now they have bipolar one, bipolar two. Just recently did I actually get that diagnosis. You actually need the diagnosis. You know, anybody can say they have it, but you have to, it needs to be treated medically. And if it is not properly treated with the proper prescriptions, it is a very debilitating disorder that can seriously affect the individual as well as the uh, close family members around them or, you know, just about anybody, their, their lifestyle, everything. In my case, fast forward from the teenage years, um, I was married at a very young age. I was married at the age of 20, had my daughter at the age of 22, and at the age of 24, 
suffered from a severe trauma involving a death in a very close family member to which I had to attend to. It's not every day that you get called to trying to save a family member's life and when the outcome is not good. I'm sure there's people that are listening out there that can honestly say they will never forget that day or that look or whatever, but there, there, is, there is hope for those people, just to let you know, but it takes a lot of time. This happened back in 2001. I closed my eyes every day and it's still there, but I, I'm, I learned to cope. Now I'm learning to cope better because I'm properly medicated. Your average general physician, doctor, whoever you get a chance to see, whether it's a nurse practitioner these days. In my experience, and, and having lived in two different provinces, you have a doctor that is willing to shove anything and everything in your face in order to make you go away as far as a prescription. And then you have a doctor that doesn't want you on any medication because they don't believe in over-medicating people. With events that happened in my life, I ended up landing into the hands of an actual psychiatrist. Um, and there is a difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Uh, the psychiatrist is actually the one that can prescribe the medication because apparently general practitioners can only, you know, prescribe X amount of dosage. And after that, it's not legally allowed. So in a nutshell, the first, let's say 25, 30 years, 30 years of my life were up and down. I mean, at one point I was you couldn't come near me. If you touched me, I would, I would black out. And I mean, if I blacked out, I, I, fortunately I, it happened once and it was because my best friend decided to touch my chin and I didn't like it. The unfortunate thing is that there are so many people out there right now that a can't get a doctor or have been misdiagnosed or could be on not the right type of medication, and it could be severely affecting the rest of, of, of their life and, and their lifestyle and, and their family. I mean, you know, who knew, you know, um, that a child that's ADHD can be affected by number two red dye that's found in a juice. You know, it, it like, I mean, it, I guess the, the buck doesn't stop at, at just an illness. It's, they've, can discover so many different things and every day it's something new. And, and I think a lot of people now are so overwhelmed that a lot of people don't even know where to start. So they don't bother. And in talking about it, just on the mental illness part, you have to start and, and, and you have to look at the brighter side and there is a brighter side and it's not, wrong to have to take a prescription drug or some doctors might even go with natural herbs there's nothing wrong with that you are you are part of the 99 percent of the rest of the population that just doesn't want to talk about it and i think that lately the the, the stigma has been there they do they do the you know bell talks uh for mental health and stuff and and that's good and and there's you know there's a big movement of there which is great because it's bringing awareness um but in the grand scheme of things, I honestly don't feel that there is one individual that lives on this planet that doesn't suffer from one sort of a, an illness or a pain or something, which is enough to drive somebody to the brink of, you know, anger or hurt or, 
you know, becoming an introvert. And, and I mean, with my, my pancreatitis, this was back in 2002. I didn't even know what a pancreas was, I'll be honest with you. And uh, the year before, I'd suffered the death of my family member. Next thing I know, I'm not feeling very good. I have bad pains all the time in my stomach and my back. And I ended up going to the emergency at the hospital where I was identified as a pill seeker from the local emergency department of two hospitals. Pain pill seeker. The only pain pills I had ever taken was Advil or Tylenol. Um, I'd ha I've had back pain since I was 13, so that's what I used. At this point, at home, I was self-medicating using the gravel, and the gravel wasn't cutting it, um, so this is where I started having to go in. Um, six months into this, and maintaining a full-time job, but missing time with doctor's notes, you know, I end up finding out that I have to have an emergency surgery and have my gallbladder out, like within five hours. The next day, I ended up losing my job because doctors couldn't properly find out what was wrong with me and just kept putting me on ulcer pills or this and that. But, you know, so chronic illnesses or chronic pain have such a large effect on people that until you don't feel like you're fighting it, until then, you don't even realize it anymore. It just becomes part of your daily life. And, and it's the reason why you don't wake up and smile and, and be grateful. It's just, oh, I'm going to face another day. Or I don't want to go to work because I can't, because I can't handle this. Um, my anxiety, I have anxiety, severe anxiety to the point of, well, I did until I was properly looked after. I, if I started to talk about most anything that's not even real stress, I would throw up. I, I'd have to tell my mom, I can't talk on the phone, I'd be sick. And and to this day now, it, it takes me a lot. And I'm on a very, very, very low dose uh, that I take daily. And you know what? I don't throw up anymore. And it's awesome because it's not embarrassing. But until you end up starting to work at trying to find out what's wrong, your gut tells you there's something going on. You don't just have a sore foot or a bad back or a stomach that won't settle down for after two days for no reason. Your body is trying to tell you something. And if you're not satisfied with the answer, or the result that you get, keep going, keep asking. Um, the internet, of course, has become a widespread place for people to go and look. Sometimes people end up misdiagnosing themselves. I'm not a professional. I, you know, you, you go, you look, you see what you think, but bottom line is go to your doctor, keep that relationship. Um, they're important. Sometimes you walk away and you think, well, that didn't help me. And, and I mean, I'm guilty of doing that. My doctor and I have had more ins and outs and arguments and everything because I, you know, I just didn't feel, but they have a certain process that they have to do. And if they ask you to do something, do it. There's a reason. And eventually the answers come out. And, and when they do, you go, why didn't we think about that to begin with? I guess with my story, I'm trying to let people know that it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, you know, where you work, or if you have a job, what matters is that you have your health. You know, money doesn't grow on trees, but, you know, the grass is greener on the right side of the ground too. And the important thing is, is that we all get to live and, and enjoy you know, our, our life. And, and we don't realize 
how blessed we are, I guess. I mean, I, I, I had an accident on my ATV, a, a random accident. And I, I had my, my, my leg in a, what they call a Zimmer cast for six weeks. I never realized I used my leg that much. Same as if you break your arm, which I haven't, thank God, but you don't, you don't realize what you have. And then all of a sudden when you don't have it, you can't use it. It's a, it's a hard adjustment to make. And, and none of us like change where it's just not built into us to accept it. As far as chronic pancreatitis, I have a lot of information on it. I ended up getting it because a gallstone was left into my body after the surgery. So I had to go back in for another emergency surgery. It's an accident. It does happen. I ended up with an acute pancreatic attack, which can kill you. The chronic version is basically a management type thing and you do it with a diet. Guilty as charged. I do not follow the diet regularly. Um, if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to stay awake because it's there's no hydrogenated fat in it, basically. Um, there are books that you can buy. Um, people can reach out to me. Becky can give you the information if they want, you know, some help or direction or don't ignore the little things that didn't happen yesterday and all of a sudden you feel different. It's, you know, um, the, you know, uh, workers, you know, they, they, we have TV commercials that say, you know, it's not heartburn. It could be a heart attack. Well, you know, there's other signs too for other things that, you know, if your, your skin's itchy all the time for no reason and it never was before. Um, I found out through having allergies that after being allergic to, I think it's tomatoes, which I didn't even know I was allergic to and I've eaten my whole life. My body decided to say, you know what, today you're going to find out. And I was uh, blasted with hives for nine months on my back. Because my body just decided that, well, if you're not going to listen to me one way, I'm going to tell you another. And it was debilitating then because I worked in a restaurant and it was hot and yeah. So you have to be in touch with yourself. Um, I think that's one of the most important things that I've learned in, in all the different, oh, so I have that now or, oh, what am I going to do now? You know, um, when somebody is able to give you a straight diagnosis and a way to fix something, thing or fix a problem or help you don't worry about it accept it know that you're aware of it and then just keep going and and you know take a closer look in your in your life and say okay is there places where I don't have you know healthy eating uh the pancreatitis thing um not 100% sure because of the non-medical background um but large consumptions of fatty, greasy foods throughout a long period of time is going to cause it. My mother was a meat and potatoes and vegetables woman her whole life. She still is. The meals put on the table were wonderful, fat-free, or, you know, the, the, the less, you know, it wasn't pizza, fries, and this. It was, you know, actual food. When I finally got to move out of mom and dad's house, well, I can tell you that vegetables went by the wayside for probably about five years because I was so tired of them. Well, guess what? my pancreas went by the wayside too. A sign of your pancreas giving you, uh, not your pancreas, gallbladder. I should say gallbladder. You, got, you can't live without your pancreas. It's actually very finicky, but your, your gallbladder, my gallbladder decided to, to go by the wayside. Um, symptoms of that are pains, severe pains in the middle part of your back, not so much your front. Uh, it's almost like you feel like you have indigestion and, and you're, it's hot and it's burning. So you decide you want to drink milk or something cool. Do not drink milk or eat ice cream. It's going to make it worse. 
it comes across as same symptoms as what ulcers are. And I didn't know because a lot of the, the pain, you know, feels the same, but it uh, initially it'll start kind of up uh, in the front underneath your ribs a bit, but essentially it's a bad pain that goes into the center part in between your, like in your spine on, on the back, like kind of underneath your, your shoulder blade, I guess. I believe the gallbladder is found on the right side of a person. Yes. And um, it used to be considered a major surgery. I had it done laparoscopically, which is five small incisions. It still is a major surgery, but it's not being cut wide open like they used to do years ago. Initially, you go in, you have it done. Two days later, they send you out. You're not allowed to lift, do anything for six weeks. I uh, had never had surgery before. Of course, it, it took six, I think it was six or seven months before they discovered that I wasn't A, seeking pain medication because I was an addict, that I was actually not well. And I, I didn't have stomach ulcers because they ended up having to test my blood and, and take uh, x-rays and stuff. And the, the final procedure they did was they put a scope down my throat and that's where they were able to tell that there was a blockage with gallstones. Yeah, it had to come out. So uh, when your gallbladder comes out, it does affect your uh, pancreas and that's where the pancreatitis can come from. Mine, it doesn't happen to everybody. Mine was a fluke because when I ended up leaving the hospital, I was told that I'd had an acute attack, but I would be okay. This was my new diet, which involved everything that I didn't like. No fat sour cream, no fat cream cheese, no fat this, no more all meat pizzas, no more a lot of things. Carbohydrates was eat whatever you want. That being said, peanut butter. I did not eat peanut butter for 15 years. I stopped eating chocolate bars and bacon for 15 years. It's a big adjustment and you do end up losing weight. You also end up losing energy. It can be a bit socially debilitating because if you are part of a group of friends who, you know, go out once a week, you have your beer and your wings. Alcohol is also a no-no when it comes to pancreatitis, smoking as well. You are going to sit there and everybody's having their beer and wings and, oh, look, you're having a salad and you look like you're really enjoying it. And I'm not knocking salads because salads have come a long way and, and they're great. But it's like I said, the worst feeling to have is to know that you had the use of something, which you didn't really pay attention to what your gallbladder did anyway, but it's like losing a limb or, or uh, you know, a finger. You, one minute it's there, the next minute it's broken. You, you can't use it for a while. It's a big adjustment. And, you know, like I say, socially, it's like, well, how come you're not having a beer anymore? How come, you know, why aren't you having wings with us? Well, and then it's this long spiel that eventually you feel like a broken record and you feel like, you know, maybe you don't want to go out this week. Maybe let's let the boys go, you know, let the husband go and and you start shutting yourself in, whether it's chronic pancreatitis or whether it's your allergies or whether it's the onset of uh, depression that's got underlying issues that you don't even know is happening. One of the key signs is when you start not being happy or being excited about something that used to be, you know, an everyday thing. Uh, one of the big things is waking up and going to work. Very, very important to want to wake up and go to work, not to be antsy or anxious about going out that door. You start questioning why you're helping yourself be aware. In all of the different things that I've been through, I am not going to say that I am this upbeat, positive person that every morning, you know, I and, you know, this is how I am. I mean, I do not make my bed every morning. However, that's one of the first things you should do. Have I got to that point yet? No. But how you feel, and I learned this recently, affects those that are closest to you and around you.
and subconsciously, you can hurt people by not paying attention to your actions or or how you're addressing things. And, and whether it's that you're continually complaining or that you something, you know, tr tremendous has happened and it, it really has hurt you and it's a change. And, and you have to, as much as those people are there to support you and, and listen, you have to think, is, is this affecting their life? Are they losing sleep over it? Are they, with that in mind, I, um, I have started uh, what I call, it's called my daily check-in. And it's something that is going to be up on probably Instagram. I've, I've got a lot of the, uh, the articles ready to go. And every day, it's, it's going to be an opportunity for people to, you know, get their, their daily check-in. But it's going to be me saying, you know, this is my daily check-in, you know. And, and a place for people to come and look and add to it or throw one out there for anybody else. It's a space there, uh, uh, a foundation for people to feel that it's okay to go and say something. Because one of the things that I have discovered is as much as your family loves you and your loved ones and, and, and they support you, sometimes the best person to talk to is a complete stranger <laughs> because they don't judge. It's either that or your pets because pets don't judge. And, and I'm a big animal advocate, but strangers sometimes make it easy to have the right things come out to have people start realizing they need to work on themselves and that they need help. And, and just realizing that is a big step. And then it's to actually say, I'm going to actually ask for it. That's a whole different, another ball game. Um, but I mean, these are things that I've discovered myself that is benefiting myself and I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm your average 40 plus year old person who's gone from three or four different spectrums in life from, you know, having everything and a white picket fence to not knowing where I might lay my head the next day. And I'm okay. If I can get there, you know, if the little things that help me, if I can put it out there and, and if somebody wants to get a hold of me or if they have their own idea, you know, it's a, it's a community, it, it, you know, it's a community type place to, you know, just check in and you'd be amazed how many people that realize they have an opportunity to do that, take advantage of it and go, you know what, I can take five minutes and do that. And, and they get lost with themselves looking things up. And next thing you know, their, their thought process has changed, the bad day they were having, and they're just about to walk into their house. Maybe their day's good now because so-and-so had this thing happen to them today and it was something that reminded you. And next thing you know, you feel better about it. Self-awareness for me has been a very big thing to uh, embrace. And I find especially women, you know, we have been our whole lives, the caretakers, the givers, the try and do everything for our family because we're moms and we're wives and we're, you know, sisters and we're friends. Um, I'm very, very guilty of trying to be the superhero and then forgetting that, you know, I'm back here somewhere. And in doing that, I went through quite a bit of things that now I get to use those trials and tribulations and, and, and share with other people and hopefully help them. But I like to be able to, have people not have to go through all that to figure it out and, and be able to start in a positive way rather than, you know, 
back at the bottom and, and then have to climb because the climb isn't it's not always that easy you, you do it but it's just sometimes it's not as fast as what people want right i think that's huge as well there are so many different people that i've had on these podcasts and and you know it's exactly what you say where they're the people that put other people's needs before their own needs and it's kind of how they've got to the place that they're in you know it's why they mm -hmm. got sick it's why they're stressed out it's you know they don't yeah. look after themselves before other people that's right it was pointed out to me if you're not healthy or you're not okay with you how are you supposed to be okay with somebody else how do you love that other person how do you have anything to give if you don't have it in you and you're not okay with you exactly. and fortunately you know image and, and fashion and everything especially as far as women but i mean men too is changing and you know it's not about the almighty uh you know you have to be thin and this and that you know what's sexy nowadays is uh common sense you know uh intelligence you know and and people are learning that that i think the internet is helping and, and there's a lot of people out there that are are promoting that which is good don't forget about you because that's where it starts and and again if you end up being somebody that kind of didn't start off the right way because you didn't have a medical background, you know, I still don't know what's coming for me. Might as well try and stay good with what I've got right now and, and any little thing that changes, go see about it. Don't be afraid. You're, you know, don't let anything else come ahead of you when it comes to your, your well-being. I didn't realize how much pain I had lived with until all of a sudden that gallbladder was gone. It had, that must have been coming on for a long time and I just didn't realize it because you just make it go away. It's amazing that you just you know, you just forget about it when, when mm -hmm. you just deal with it on a daily basis. It's crazy. I was going to mention just with mental illness that you touched on, it's just, it's so true where people are afraid to admit they have it or to seek out help for mental illness. And, and that's one of the hardest things because that is number one, one of the biggest things that people struggle with, but don't want to talk about it. they don't want to get help for and they don't want you know but then it just gets worse and then they get mm -hmm. into trouble or they they isolate themselves or they have suicidal thoughts and it just it spirals and that's what's so scary too because so many chronic illnesses cause different mental illness as well there are more newsletters and pamphlets and that out there but honestly that's not what that's not what we need it's you know educate, have more, more classes, even for people that are senior citizens, you know, offer a class on how to stress-free live after you retire because you got too much time on your hands and you don't know what to do. Especially people who are workaholics and now they retire. Right. It's like, okay, you're going to do nothing. Well, that can cause people to go into a huge depression. Well, having been an, an artist, like I had mentioned earlier, I ended up because I, I had some, some big changes that happened in my life, you know, over the last five years, pretty, uh, Sizable changes. So I'm good. I'm good. You know, everything's great. Coping. Okay. Coping is something that people think I got this. Okay. I'm coping with it. I got it. It's, I've got it handled. It doesn't matter if it's the fact that they haven't paid a bill. Okay. And I mean, we're, we, we haven't even talked about how much of a stress finances are. And I mean, look at this COVID, right? This is going to set a lot of people back, you know, big time. But what I do is I have what's called the art of coping. Um, it's something that I'm working on that I'm going to be offering people, which is going to be an introduction to taking the creative side that you have, because we all have one and it doesn't matter if you can't hold the pencil properly. Okay. It's a matter of using your your thought process your anxieties your fears your traumas your, your subconscious mind which are suppressed memories and, and things that could have happened um 
and how easily they come out when you start expressing yourself through different types of medium in art, uh, music. Uh, um, I, one of my biggest things, I started making jewelry from broken pieces of jewelry. So-and-so's broken chain became my brand new one because I went and had for, you know, I, I had all, everything in the world to having nothing. So to have a piece of jewelry, even if it wasn't even a sterling silver chain, meant a lot to me. I have, you know, leaps and bounds from there. I've not sold one piece. Um, I make a piece at least once a day. I work with my hands. My pieces are named after the thoughts that go through my head when I'm making them. And it just flows. And that 30 minutes a day that I started with, or that five minutes, whether it was with a pencil or, or you know, and I found this and it's an introduction to be able to teach people to become comfortable, mm -hmm. um, to get them away from the whole technology and back into themselves or their surroundings that they live in and, you know, face things head on, but not even realizing that that's what's happening. And just to see the smile on their face as a result of what they create is that's going to be their want to do it again. And, and that's what I'm aiming for. Um, it, it was just an idea I had that popped in my head. And I've had a few people, you know, give it a whirl. And uh, amazingly enough, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'd like, well, I'm going to be offering it uh, probably online in small groups so people don't feel like they're singled out. And then if somebody wants to do one-on-ones, you know, we can do that too. But like I said, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm your average person. But I just... I had to take a serious look and you know if you don't have a lot to work with you use what you have and I I've seen me take three bottle caps and a paper clip and end up taking a picture and you know somebody's like can I buy that you know it's like it's a picture of, but they see they see what it actually turns out to be you know and then when you say oh by the way that was like three bottle caps and a couple paper clips that I found on my walk the other day and they just, they, they look at you, you know, but that, this yeah. is what I do. And, and that brings people in. It opens people up to discuss things. You know, why are you a crazy lady walking around picking stuff off the street? Well, that's how I used to clear my head, you know? Um, so it, it's getting in touch with your inner self. I think that's wonderful so. too, because, you know, your jewelry and your art that you do, it's, just, it's, it's really like a form of meditation. And I think that there's yes. just a huge disconnect between like you say, like people that are on in technology all the time, like on Facebook, on Instagram, that work with technology, like, you know, they never take the time to go inside and, and listen to their bodies and see what's wrong. There's actually a really interesting book that is all about this. It's actually, it's called When the Body Says No by Dr. Gabor Mate. I'll put a link in. Oh, the yeah, yeah, the yeah. Podcast. You've read that one? Oh, my goodness. Yes, yeah. and, and I've read, um, actually, no, I have not read that one. I read uh, the one about um, the Skid Row and Hungry Ghosts or something. Yes, yep. Um, yeah, and I actually uh, met one of his former patients when he was a general practitioner in BC. Oh, that's crazy. Yes, that's awesome. uh, amazing, amazing author. Love his writing. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely think you should link that. And I'm going to go look for that book. Um, I have it on one of my lists of things to do. And I am guilty. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm guilty. I've got 25 lists, but we all, we all do, right? Yeah, um, 100%. So, yeah, so, I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's all about, okay, I've, I've got her figured out now. 
well, locally, I've talked to a few organizations. I will be hopefully out in the community, working closely with people that are in, you know, not exactly the greatest situations, trying to help them out. And, and like I said, even if I'm a stranger to them for five minutes that they can say something to, they, yeah, I mean, and, and since we've had COVID here, um, you know, there, there's, I mean, the shelters, we have a couple shelters here. It's been, they've been packed. Um, I tried to help remotely, uh, you know, or online, you know, posting ads for stuff that was required. Um, but again, at the shelters, they were looking for board games, you know, how many families have board game nights now? I mean, yeah, Christmas time, whatever, you know, <laughs> but nobody does that. Right. Or, or, you know, when's the last time you played go fish or crazy eights. Right. And, and like I said earlier, the, the art of, um, um, handwriting is a dying art. The art of letter writing is a dying art, actual conversation, one-on-one, -on -one, not texting. Not texting. No, exactly. Talking on the phone. Yeah, you know? or or even just having a face to face call. I mean, like yes. now, right now, you can't really. I mean, I guess you could do it social distance, but like even yeah. instead of having a, a phone call, doing a Zoom yeah. call, so you could see the person on the, uh, you know, you could look them in the eye almost. Kind of yeah. Thing. So it's yeah. the connection that I think that we're losing, and you know, here we are. We're all so interconnected with the internet and with our cell phones mm -hmm. and this and that, but we're so disconnected on on a yes. like cellular level. If you think about it, yeah. like. It, yeah, one hundred percent. And I, you know, I've got it in, in my, in my path of things to do, um, to teach, or refresh, or you know, hello, people. Did you happen to notice that? <laughs> you know, my daughter didn't know how to put a stamp on an envelope, and she's, you know, she's gonna be twenty-one. Like. <laughs> But she can do all these weird things on the internet that I have no idea that how to do, you know. Oh yeah. They, so they don't teach. They don't, you know, they don't teach, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and well, here we go. Here's a siren. That's that's one of my uh, that's one of my PTSD triggers right there, you know. And and that's another thing, um, you know, people are out there with PTSD, um, mm -hmm. and some yeah. people are like. Well, if you really think about it, we all have it. You know what? Well, we probably all do because I don't think I know anybody that I've ever spoke to that's told me that they've had a perfect childhood. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, really? You might have <laughs> got to go. So yeah. right. <laughs> but you know, really? Okay, yeah, so you went to Disney World. That's great. So how many times did you get snapped with the belt when you were, you know what I mean? Or how many miles did you have to walk in the snow, right? You know, so, you or, know, and or even don't, like emotional neglect, for example, yeah. it's like, oh, you had yeah. a bad day at school. We'll go to your room, deal with it by yeah. yourself. You don't realize it, that that's PTSD. You don't realize that no. that's trauma, but that is emotional. It, it, is. it is. It is emotional. Yes, it is. And, and there's different levels and different forms. We have our, our veterans in that and our, our frontline workers who the sirens freak me out. Well, guess what? I'm not the one that's on the scene. They are every day. Yeah. But I've learned after all these years that these are questions I have to ask myself and go through to bring myself out of it. But I mean, we're, you know, 19 years later and uh, I'm still working with it. So, you know, anybody that's got any little thing going on, grab it now. Let's put it in something and then, you know, fire it back out there in a good way. The result that you get, the gratification and the weight that lifts off your shoulder when you know that you just accomplished that one tiny thing that, you know, um, maybe you were so scared to do. I mean, procrastination is also a big thing. I'm a terrible procrastinator and that can definitely be disabling. Yeah. very disabling um, and the way society runs nowadays in the economy 
they don't give us much choice. You know, it's like I said, I got 25 to do lists. How many do you have? Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, which one do you pay or <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and who's in charge of that, you know, and it's like, can I get another extra hour? So, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, it's so true. And you know, just, just right on that subject, it's like um, when you're dealing with something with PTSD or you have something that's bottled up inside you, but you don't realize it. So, you know, PTSD, for example, it's like a lot of that trauma is repressed trauma. And so it's affecting you on a subconscious level that you just don't understand. So, you yep. know, something could happen to you and you just fly off the handle for no reason, for mm -hmm. no reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you stub your toe and instead of just being like, ow, I'm so stupid, you freak out, you throw things, you break yep. shit. And, and then why? It's because it's repressed trauma. And, yep. you know, when you do these things, when you make the jewelry, when you work through these problems, it not just brings that, that trauma out, that emotion out. It also allows it so that you have this huge weight lifted off your shoulder. And the way that I kind of see it is that darkness that you had inside of you, you're able to mm -hmm. take it out of your body so that you're, you're allowing light into your body. You're allowing positive things in your body. And I think yes. that's so huge, especially when dealing with trauma, because you need to take the darkness out so that you have space for the light. So you have less negative energy and more positive energy. I sound like a hippie here, but anyways. <laughs> no, you know what? Honestly, no, you don't. And, and you know, it's a good approach that you have because you're right. And, and, and that's another thing. You know, whether somebody's talking about a higher power, okay? Whether somebody's talking about a tree, whether somebody sounds like they're a hippie or, or a gypsy or whatever, it's a positive affirmation that there is reasoning to do because it's going to do good. So, and you know what? That light is in people's religion, in people's cultures. Spiritual beliefs. Yeah. Spiritual, like there is a light in anybody's life. And that light, they're always looking for it. Actually, I wrote a song the other day and, you know, and it, it starts with, there's no light at the end of my tunnel is what I started with. And, and here I am and I'm folding clothes and I'm singing this and I'm like, I should be writing this down. And I'm going, all right, I'm being positive right now. And this is another thing that people aren't aware that they do. I'm being positive because I'm actively getting something accomplished. But my mind is on a negative telling me that there is no positive at the end. And that's another thing that as people we do do um, continually. And it's a, I, I don't know what you call it. It's almost like a, a negative affirmation to a positive outcome no negative outcome or, or something like, i haven't figured it quite out yet but you you're being you're doing the right thing but you're inhibiting your thoughts by thinking the wrong thing right and, you know so here i was and i'm going you know there's no light at the end of my tunnel and all of a sudden i'm like okay that'll be the beginning of the song but you know i need to flip this Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I ended up, you know, I ended up doing that. And again, there's light everywhere and, and that's, people tend to gravitate towards it. That's yeah. what they want. That's their beacon. Um, mm -hmm. it's their safety. And, and, and that's why I say, you know, um, that little flame, that little spark, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in your job, whether it's in that conversation you had or that feel good moment. Mm -hmm. It's there. You got to just keep looking for it and you got to keep going. Absolutely. And if you, you know, if you've got, like you say, subconsciously so much, you know, uh, setbacks or, or trauma, it's hard 
to to see that there's a way out because you don't remember the last time you were out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you um, lose that spark inside. You lose that yep. little twinkle in your eye for sure. Yep. And you know what? When you lose it, a lot of people notice it real quick and you go downhill very fast. Yeah. You go downhill very, very fast. Yeah. And you, you know, the big joke, they always say that pregnant women glow, right? Yeah. And yeah, but, but no, seriously, they do. But you know, you know, the next time that you're talking to somebody that you know is pregnant or whatever, take a real close look at them. Just it's there. They really, they do. They glow. They do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because there's a second person in them and that they glow more or what it is. I don't know if it's a sense of pride. Uh, that's another thing too. Um, if you lose your pride or a sense of belonging, if an individual gets to that point, that's a very dark tunnel and it's a very hard climb because they just, they end up feeling that they're, there's no worth to them or, you know, what they can offer. It's a scary place. And, and that's why I say, if we could have more people, you know, just out there and it's, I don't, I don't even think it's, you know, it's, it's almost a call for, Hey, let's everybody go walk in the park for two days or, you know, this one day a week, everybody should connect with stop each other. here, you know, exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, and yeah. if, if I have my way, there's some things I'd, I'd like to change. And I mean, you know, government wise, I, you know, government wise. Yeah. I do know that, you know, I've, I've seen some information come out on uh, communication uh, through the government. I think this pandemic has really uh, put the federal government out of sorts. So there's, there's positions being offered uh, across Canada. I think there's four positions making a team or it's more of a communications type, you know, society realization. To me, it could be kind of a mumbo jumbo platform for the government. I don't know, but it looks like, and it sounds good um, if they use it the right way. And, you know, there's going to be funding there and, as long as somebody's starting somewhere, it's always positive. But it's it's not letting the 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 no voices or the forgotten ones that have fallen through the cracks. It, it's you got to find them. You got to dig them out of the woodwork because they're they're the ones that you know they they they're too, they're that far gone and they don't have they don't have a fallback. They don't have they don't have they don't have anybody. They don't when when they get to that point. Yeah. They they need the help, and mm -hmm. you know, from what I can see, a lot of people are afraid of them. It you know that's how our societies are. So awareness is awareness is key. I mean, um, mm -hmm. you know, people can be acting like they're completely, uh, you know, in a drunken state, walking through a mall, and realistically, they're about to go into a diabetic coma. Yeah, Do we all? Exactly. Think, but we don't know. We just judge. But we don't know exactly. We yeah. just judge, you know. And you know, there's only judgment only comes should only come from one way and but we're all guilty of it yes so I, you know i've been there done that i still do it um and and that's why i say you know my thoughts my words that's what i see i i try and look at everybody with the same pair of eyes no matter who they are until something tells me different and even at that moment it's like okay if you just did that you have a need for help but we got to have a lot of people recognize that. And fortunately, not a lot of people have had to go through a lot of things that take them down to that moment where they go, wow, okay, yeah, I should have known better, you know? And it's, I feel uh, like sometimes that comes with age as well, you know, that wisdom. It's, oh, yeah. If I knew yep. what I know now when I was in my 20s, my life would have yeah. been very, very different. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Crazy.
So thank you so much for your time and your advice, Stella. How can our listeners get in touch with you? There's going to be a, a blog, daily check-ins like I talked about. And I, I think we can uh, get a good network going. I really do, Reggie. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. I really, I'm trying to make a chronic movement here. And I think that the more communication, the more connection that we can make, the, the better. Mm -hmm. so. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much again. And ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Stella and I are off like a bird of peoples.